The I Can't Even Show with Margaret and Ellie starts now. Welcome to the last episode of season one of I Can't Even. I'm Margaret. And I'm Allie. Uh, If you're just joining us for the first time, this is the show where we discuss adulting as an old millennial. This may be the last episode of season one, but you can catch up on previous shows on iTunes and Google Play. So this week, we are talking all about relationships with Jancy Dunn, author of How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids. I have been obsessed with this book ever since I heard Jancy speak a few months ago. Having kids can be a real challenge to your relationship. And outside of a few of my really close friends, I never hear anybody talking about that. And honestly, I didn't even think that I'd be that interested because I'm not a parent. But once I read it to prepare for the interview, there's just so much practical relationship advice. It's completely life-changing. Spoiler alert, there are a lot of dumb dad stories in here, but don't get mad at us. We know that there are a ton of great dads out there. So to get some perspective from the guy's point of view, we also spoke with Nick DiGregorio, host of the Mediocre Parent Show, to get his perspective. Today, we have Jancy Dunn, author of How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids. Thanks for joining us, Jancy. My pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. We're totally excited to have you. I think that this book should definitely be right next to what to expect when you're expecting on the shelves at the bookstore. Because I feel like people tell you about certain things like the lack of sleep and all the basics, but they do not tell you how hard having a kid can be on your relationship. How soon after you had your first kid did you start to realize like the effect it was having on your relationship with your husband? I would say kind of about a two months in, like at first I was in this really happy bubble, you know, newborn and, you know, you're so, you're just in this little cocoon and I just wasn't thinking about anything. And then, you know, my C-section scar started healing. I started getting my energy back and I thought, oh, wait a minute, I'm doing everything. Your life hasn't changed even the tiniest bit. Like it was, it was bizarre. My, my life had completely turned upside down and and I only have one kid. Like I can't even imagine what it's like with, with multiple kids, but, um, and his had basically stayed, stayed, stayed pretty much the same. Even now when I look at his Instagram account, like it's a total different world than, than mine because he's constantly traveling for work and it's never, it's, it's always just somewhere amazing. Like he was just surfing last week in Costa Rica, like for an assignment, quote unquote. (laughs) And my Instagram account, it's like, Ooh, the condiment that changed my life because I never leave my kitchen. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like really, and it is Penzi's ground, um, toasted, uh, onions delicious to know. Yeah. It adds a very nice flavor to everything. See how boring I am. <laughs> and, and that's the disparity between the two of us. And so, um, yeah, I would say two months when kind of, I emerged out of the bubble and I thought, wait a second, Jack, why am I doing everything? Like it was so, it, it I kind of woke up then and, and we were, we were doing the classic thing when the baby was really small, like kind of fighting over her head because at the time I didn't realize, you know, that there is research that babies get, they get really distressed when you fight. They don't like the tone of your voice. Cause I thought, well, the kid can't speak English. You know, I can, I can call my husband a dick, <laughs> but it was more about the tone that really gets them upset. And, um, so yeah, that was, that was, it was definitely about two months in and it was pretty bad. I have to say. 
You know, that's funny that you say two months because I feel like that's probably around the point in my maternity leave where I started having fantasies about changing the locks while my husband was at work. Oh, tell me more. See, I love hearing (laughs) all this. Like, I really do. We have a community now, you know, it's like, yeah, there's so many of us. Um, What set you off? Like, what was what was making you insane? Uh, the sleep deprivation because mm-hmm. because he went back to work and I, I was breastfeeding. So I was just like, all right, I will take the hit on the nighttime stuff. But right. then you can only do that for so long before you like die. And so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got to that point where I was just like begging, like, you just need to help me just one night on a weekend. I just need like four hours in a row and then I'll be OK. Like, I just need four hours. And it was like, then oh. I'll be sane. Yeah. yeah. And he was just like, I don't know. That's that's a lot. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and even at nighttime, though, I mean, was the baby in the room with you or was it like a deal where? Because I was even thinking, like, why didn't I have him even get up and bring the baby in from the other room? Because she wasn't in the same room as us. And I thought, like, I did everything. Well, let me let me just put it this way. Okay. When we had her in the bassinet in our room, one night I managed to fall asleep because I was so tired while she was crying. And he woke me to rock the bassinet because it didn't <laughs> even occur to him that he could reach across me and do it himself. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's pretty great. <laughs> you, look, you're not even laughing now. Like, I love it. It's just so, it still hurts. It's, yeah, still, it's annoying, still annoying, right? I know. Yeah, it's like you're it's right there annoying. again. Like, I, I think I've let it go of most of that, but not all of it. Right. She's and only two. It wasn't that long ago. No, months. It's pretty fresh still. Yeah. 24 months. 24 months ago. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's the thing that I, I hear so often, even now, even people who have like teenagers and they can remember their, their husband saying, well, just tell me what to do. And over and over again, I hear this, like, I don't want to tell you what to do. Like, just reach over and rock the crate. Like, you know what to do. Come on. It, it, don't, uh, when you have to tell them what to do, it's just adding onto your already like teetering pile of stuff that you have to do. Right. You don't want to yes. have to say, and, and also like I really did feel like, and and when I'm around mothers, they just instinctively jump in and help you, and so that made it even more pronounced when I would go home. And he truly yes. wouldn't see that I was doing fifty things at once. It was just bizarre. Mind <laughs> yeah, like don't you see? He really didn't. He truly didn't. But then again, and let me ask you to this: like, if they're well-meaning but clueless, do you do they get a free pass? I, it's still something I can't resolve. Well, first, actually, let me just tell you, I'm, I don't have any kids, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't have any babies. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what's so great about your book is that it still resonated so much with me because I still have a husband. So. Oh, fantastic. And, <laughs> and plus, I, even if you don't have babies, I, I always jump in with an opinion, even when I don't even have any life experience on anything, because I just, I figure if you say something in in an emphatic voice, you know, that's good enough. But so how did it, it really did help you with your own relationship? Oh my God. It's amazing. I've been reading passages out loud to him because (gasps) I'm like, listen to this. This is really interesting. But like, to your point, I I mean, that's fabulous. The the clueless thing, like totally. I mean, Allie and I talk about this stuff all the time, but it's like that specific um, part about being in a relationship where it's like, oh, but he's clueless. So I should just give him a pass. But that gets so tired after like 
you know, the first 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially like, with the parenting stuff too, because it's like, you know, you could read the same exact book I read. It's available. Yes, yes <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know. I mean, and, and even like, okay, so even now, I mean, things are not perfect now. They're much better. And, you know, I don't scream at him, which is definitely great. But there are little things that I, I feel like, well, I don't know. Can I ask you guys again? I don't mean to keep turning this around. And But, you know, I, I love talking about this stuff. And, yeah. Um, okay. So he does now do the dishes at night, which is great. I may, I cook. I don't know how you guys divvy up your labor, but I cook and he has, he didn't at first do the dishes, but now he does. And he always leaves, he always leaves like crap in the drainer thing. Yes. And, <laughs> right? And I say like, can you just complete the job? This is, I do catchphrases all the time because I figure they're like, you know, easier. And I, I say, can you just complete the job? Because when you don't do that, it's one more thing on my plate. And he said, you know, and he says, and not incorrectly, like, by you making a big deal this night after night after night, you're like chipping away at our good relationship. And so I never know whether I should take a stand on this stuff or not. But I, I'm always saying to him, like, it doesn't take a PhD to empty that like drain <laughs> thing. And plus, it's so gross. It's like, you know, you see the the washed food that you ate. It looks like yeah. stomach contents. It's just like, get it out of my, put it in the trash. Yuck. I almost think they don't see it. You know, like yes. it's just not, you know, part of, I can't remember what chapter it was, but it's something um, you explained about just the difference in what men perceive versus women. And the sound one really struck me. The one about like uh, the study of, you know, men, what noises make wake women up in the night and what noises make wake men up in the night. Yes. And like babies were like below Carlo arms. <laughs> Yes. And like wind was at the top somehow. <laughs> Strong wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I think perception is just, and I, I, I guess I'm giving him a pass because I make this excuse for him all the time. Cause I'm like, you must not see it. Cause if you saw it, it would drive you nuts because <laughs> it drives me nuts. <laughs> um, it, but you know, I remember, um, there was one therapist in the book, his name is Guy Winch. And he was saying, I forget whether I put this in the book or not, but he said he had a couple and they were almost coming to blows about the placement of the kitchen towel when they were done <laughs> cleaning in the kitchen. And he said, it's not about the kitchen towel, which of course it isn't, you know, it's about of course not. the issues. Consideration. Yeah, yeah. Consideration. Yeah. Right. The issues behind it. So yeah. I don't know. And then when a child comes into your life and, and your, your workload, I mean, the, just the tasks you have to do to get through the day just increase so much that I guess you just get really sensitive to having more stuff added on, you know? Well, especially when it's falling on one person, really, mostly. Yes, yes. Plus, I think even if you are doing your best to split everything evenly, everyone just has so much more to do that Mm -hmm. I think there's kind of a feeling of there's no way the other person is doing more than I am. (laughs) That's so true. I am clearly doing more, and this is clearly (laughs) harder for me. Like, there's... (laughs) That's an excellent point. Of that. Yes. I don't know. I, I mean, well, do, do you two, I mean, do you, does your work life bleed into your home life completely? I mean, is is there, it, it must be pretty porous, right? Yes. Yes. It's porous. I know. Like we both work at home all the time. You know, we're all, we're kind of always, you know, we work in media too. So we're, we're kind of always um, kind of signing in and checking email and responding to clients and. Right, right. How long have you been married? Um, eight years in May. Eight years in um, May. Okay. But we've been together since I was like 
um, like early 2000s. So we've been together almost 14 years, um, which is, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. It's like we we started dating young, basically. Mm-hmm. So we've known each other a really long time. And I just like some of the things that you were writing about, I just thought it's funny when you said um, we had such a good relationship and then we had the baby and it changed everything. And I'm like, I'm like, wait, what am I doing wrong then? <laughs> because because we definitely have the, the same kinds of fights you talk about, but just not about a baby. It's just about balancing life, you know, and balancing like um, you know, home, home life and like chores and things like that, just getting things done and, um, you know, being fair to each other, I think. Oh, speaking of balancing chores and home life, I really loved your chapter about how to not make the weekend suck. Ugh. Can you tell me a little bit about what you learned? Because like our lives are just chores and social obligations on the weekend. Like that's all that there is time for. Uh-huh. I know. And it's, it's just, there's no like third space where you're just, um, relaxing or, and, and I really, I can remember it being kind of a shock. Um, but, but also going back to, well, I'll, I'll go back, but, but I can remember like Saturday mornings, my kid being up before me and thinking, Oh, like, this is what a Saturday morning is going to look like for a long time. You know, it's like, you're in it, you're out of bed and she's by your bed chattering with you and, and you're, you're, you're off and running. And, and so, um, I really, I just kept hearing how um, people were secretly relieved when it was Monday, um, a lot of parents, or, you know, I would see everyone's um, kind of, you know, droopy faces if there was a week off of school. And um, and so I thought like, how can we fix this even a little bit? Um, so we really do, as goofy as it sounds, that is, as I mean, it's so boring to have a family meeting. You know, I cringe even talking about it. In fact, I'm actually like blushing a tiny bit. It's so, you know, I'm my mother. I've turned into my mother because we used to have family meetings when we were growing up, but they they weren't like. And and but you you have to negotiate everything, kid or no kid. Like, it really is all about negotiation, isn't it? I mean, it, it's it just you think things are going to happen organically, and they they don't. You're in close quarters and. You have to stand up for what you want, um, which was weirdly hard for me. And I, I don't, I still can't get entirely at why I didn't feel like I could ask for what I wanted. Um, I don't know. I really love that. Actually, that part of, you brought it up a few times in the book, but this, the idea that it's right, it's within your grasp if you ask for it, but it's seems to be somewhat of a female trait to like, not really want to ask for help. Yes. Um, and to, you know, just imagine that, Hey, you can see just like I can see, you can see that this requires another hand and you can offer it because you have to, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. but, um, but yeah, it just seems to be something that just goes right over some people's heads. <laughs> but you, you had mentioned that you were fighting with your husband, but you know, there's so much research about that if you're actually kind of squabbling, that your relationship is much better off than if you're not squabbling, you know, and you're, you're I mean, it, it means you care, you know, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> you're... I, it's funny. I tell him that when we get into a screaming match and I'm screaming and he's <laughs> just sitting there with like dead eyes. Um, <laughs> but I tell him that I'm like, no, it's only because I care that I fight. Otherwise I would just shut up and go somewhere else. So does Are he you... do this? Oh, sorry. sorry. Like, are you screaming in a loud way or just like in an abusive way? Who, me or Jancy? You. I don't know. Jancy is very open in her book about yeah. it. She is yeah. screaming in an abusive way. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, like, I I think it, 
it depends on what the fight is about, but I'm definitely that part of the book resonated with me where I'm like, Hey, I think I don't want to say it, but like, I think I am mean and, and sort of, um, like really judgy and abusive in some ways by just uh, like attacking an argument with this sort of sense of like, you're an idiot, you know? <laughs> but is it because you want a reaction out of him? Is, is he a classic person like my husband who sort of just like shuts down or is it? I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think he definitely shuts down a little bit, but he's like, he, you know, he's very sweet and he's very calm, you know, it's mm. like in that way, that's, it's good because we're both not total assholes, <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but I am a total asshole sometimes. So. <laughs> and I can say that now because you said it. So now oh, I yeah. feel like, okay, like, okay, I can own that I'm this and figure out how to fix it. Oh, um, I've screeched but, horrible names at him. I mean, it's just, I'm ashamed, you know, but uh, uh, my temper, I don't know. Yeah. I love when you said that to the guy from Boston. I forgot his name already. Oh, Terry um, Real. You said, I hate myself after I yell. And he said, well, that's useless. <laughs> okay. For you to be quoting my book, the both of you to be quoting lines from my book, like I'm about to burst into tears. Like, I'm Aww. not kidding. It's Aww. amazing. Like, you, gee, you really did read it. You know, you could have easily not read it and I would have been totally happy to be here. But <laughs> really, thank you. You're welcome. It's amazing. I really, really did enjoy it. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was, um, totally great to have him say like, why aren't you helping out? And just for a third party to say to Tom, you know, what are you doing? Get, get off your ass. It was, it, it was, God, it was just the best moment. <laughs> it's <laughs> amazing I, that you said that on your own. Cause Allie wrote down in here, how much satisfaction did you get <laughs> in that therapy right. session? Oh yeah. <laughs> it was 90% yelling at Tom, 10% yelling at me. I That's mean, awesome. legitimately, <laughs> yeah. Like telling me I, I was abusive and I had to get a hold of my temper. Like he was correct. Yeah. And again, it was, it was, I was just, I think it was because I couldn't get a rise out of Tom. And so I just started yelling louder, but that was totally not working. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I do I think, think the it's suggestions hysterical that, you- that um, you sought the advice of a hostage negotiator so that Tom could deal with you when you get like that. And I think that's <laughs> amazing. I'm telling you the techniques work because it's just like you just want them. You just want to be heard. I, I that Does that sound so earnest? But it, it just like because for me, I would often say to him, I mean, it still happens, you know, where I'll say, did you understand what I said? And I'm thinking, how could you not? Because your hair was blowing back. Like I definitely was, you know, my volume was good. <laughs> but like you feel like are you even are you even listening? And it would it just goes such a long way and this isn't a female thing i think this is just a human thing for someone to like look you in the eye and say oh you're right you know and 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 that's what all the the hostage stuff was really about the number one thing that tom does now that really truly helps is paraphrasing and um you know in the case of an fbi negotiator they would often hear like oh you know i'm i'm really angry and i'm going to i'm going to shoot up this entire prison you know because they they would calm down a lot of people in prison riots and they would say okay it seems to me that you're really angry and you want to shoot up the entire prison am i hearing you correctly and like that's it calms people down when they think they're being heard and so Tom's paraphrasing can be incredibly clumsy until he kind of hits on what's making me upset, but then it does work. And sometimes I'll even say to him, okay, like, what do you think I'm upset about? And it forces him to A, pay attention to what I'm saying and not having my words kind of like wash over him, you know, like a saline bath. It, he's actually <laughs> listening. And the other is that 
he can actually get what I'm getting at when he paraphrases. And emotion labeling, too, is another great one because you just have to kind of begin it by saying you sound as though and you seem as if. And then you try to get at what they're upset about. Like, you know, you seem as if I'm upset that I didn't. You're No, you seem as if um, you're angry that I didn't empty out the little dish drainy thing and left like lumpy, gross old pieces of washed hamburger in there. You know, and then you say, yes, that is what I was upset about. And <laughs> it does kind of get you on the same page a little bit. Um, and even, you know, minimal encouragements. That's another one. If somebody's, if, if you're talking and someone's going, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, this is what I was getting at earlier. Like it, it calms you down because you feel like the person's listening. You know, and um, another one was using I messages. And this kind of crossover crosses over with um, John Gottman's research. You know, he's this famous couples researcher. And you just begin a statement with I. Um, this works when you're upset. I feel like, you know, you um, never stay home with the kid when she's sick. And I wish that you would sometimes instead of you're a dick. You never stay home with the kid. You know, it's just like, just not calling someone a dick in general. I don't think that's in the, yeah, that's not in the FBI handbook. And I'm writing and, that one down. And, <laughs> and even effective pauses, you know, it, it, if, if you can, if I've made myself stop lecturing and just let things sit for a second, because it gives time for me to collect my thoughts and for him to collect his thoughts, you know, he, he gets, you can't tell that he gets upset in some of these fights because he just shuts down, but inside he's very upset and his thoughts are swirling. And so just letting things sit for a second is good too, if you're able to. Um, so a lot of those things were helpful and I did it just for laughs at first. I thought FBI crisis, no, you know, that'll be fun. It'll add a little levity to the book. But then I found myself using those techniques all the time. Those people know what they're doing. The thing that we were both discussing before we talked to you about the negotiation chapter is a lot of the stuff where you guys were talking out and fighting, like fighting in a healthy and like, you know, correct way. We were both sitting there reading the things you were fighting about and we were both going like, but he's wrong. Like we we were not (laughs) even a part of the situation and we were like so caught up in like feeling that you should win the argument yeah. <laughs> like, it was really unhealthy <laughs> i love that oh my gosh that makes me laugh it, you know it's funny i had um i had a reporter in our home um from the times of london and he was saying my wife was furious that tom stands by the door and jingles his keys and i'm like oh, no, we were yeah. <laughs> But like the key jingling thing, you know, that seems to be a universal thing too, where they're they're like, why can't you get it together? Come on, let's let's go. And they're by the door. Yeah. The keys, <laughs> you know? And again, I don't I, it sounds like I'm very like, you know, oh men, what good are they? It's it's not there, but but over and over again I do hear these kind of universal things. And there really is, you know, something to the whole male female thing. Well, I think what really um stood out I think to both of us, again, we were talking about this beforehand, is uh, there was a part of the book, and I'm just going to paraphrase, where, where you were talking to uh, that professor at the University of Southern California, and mm-hmm. you guys were saying, like, why would the men want to change the status quo when the status quo works so well in their favor? And it's that just, like, blew my mind, because I was like, <laughs> of course, why would you fight to do all yeah. this bitch work that no one wants to do? <laughs> exactly. And, and you know... For Tom, the trade-off of me being angry at him 
was still better than him changing his behavior. Like he could deal with me yelling at him and like banging pots and pans. And he knew, he absolutely knew I was, I was angry, you know, and, and he was, he was still willing to compromise in that regard because he, he still didn't have to do all the, all the crap work. You know, I was, I was doing everything and I was doing all the child care. I was doing everything. And so that was something he was willing to, to live with. And I thought, Oh my God, you know, so, so, it was it was hard to get him to change because it get, he had a pretty sweet deal yeah. even with the angry wife. Yeah. But he really did see, you know, the things it it was slow and everything sort of was integrated and started all, all areas would sort of change, you know. Um our sex life got better, which I loathe writing about sex and I still can't even read that chapter, but it it had to be done. My editors were like you have to put in a sex <laughs> chapter, you know. Yeah. Um but but it all sort of affected each other and um you know yeah it things things got better i don't how know how much of improving things do you think like what percentage was you know him you know coming around to doing more stuff and maybe what percentage was you having to like let some stuff go oh that's a very good question i would <laughs> say it was about 80% of him having to really change his behavior and me relaxing. And by that, you know, I still have to have like a clear point on this. And I would like both of your opinion, actually, because, um, you know, I've talked to a, a number of kind of feminist scholars lately, and they say, like, why wouldn't you demand 50-50? And even Terry Real said that, you know, and I, I just I, I did have to relax my standards a little bit. And I don't demand 50-50 because it's just too exhausting. Like. Some days it's 45, uh, 55. Is that the correct math? But, but you know, and some days it's 30, 70, but it still feels kind of equitable to me. Um, but I, I really had to sell it to him. You're wondering where I'm going with this. I'm just going to keep rambling, right? But I'm coming back to my point, which is that I, in retrospect, I could have sold it to him a lot more easily by saying, like, give, give me two months of doing it my way. Just two months and you'll see how your life will change for the better, how our marriage will change, how our kid will be happier. I'll be happier. Your life will be more peaceful. He, all he wants is peace and quiet. He's like, my, <laughs> right? Like, and, and like, just, if you want peace and quiet, give me two months. And had I maybe sold that that way, I could have even jump started things a little uh, more quickly because he, he couldn't see what benefit was in it for him. Um, and I didn't kind of sell that. I mean, it's, it's, it's annoying that I even had to sell it. But, you know, um, that's how I would have done things differently, I think. I don't need everything to be done my way. I just need the important things to be done my way. <laughs> yes. And by that, I mean, like, for example, mm -hmm. like, and this is a thing. My husband used to leave my daughter on the changing table and just, like, wander off. Oh, <gasps> oh Jesus. See that gasp? Right. See, that's something that needs to be done my way because my kid could die. Well, that's yeah. not your way. It's if, just the smart way. Yeah, it's society's way. It's, yeah. the, it's the law's way. It's the law's yeah. way. Yeah. But like yeah. if you're going to dress my kid in fall clothes in mm -hmm. the winter or the summer, you know what? Put a jacket on. I'll live because so right. will she. Like that's kind of where I'm at with that kind yes. of stuff. And you're right about like relaxing your standards, especially when it comes to the kid. Like if, if he's not harming her and they're having quality time like it's okay that they're not doing baby einstein 
right? Like it's, it's yes. okay that they're just like rolling around on the floor. And, and I really was like obsessed with enrichment at all times. And it was just like, oh my God, like I could, if I could go back to my, you know, and talk to myself when I was, when the kid was a baby and just like, oh my, she doesn't need to look perfect. You know, it's fine. And, um, right. But I was, I really, yeah, I went overboard and, and too much of a perfectionist. Um, but the changing table, what are you going to do about that? We got to go back to that. We got to deal with this right now. Get him on the phone. <laughs> what? She, she's older now and we know oh, yeah, she's a changing two. table. She's so we two. have solved that problem. Oh. The passage of time. <laughs> but you if I have another one, we're going to need an intervention. <laughs> That's how you quote unquote solved it. She just grew out of yeah. the <laughs> that. That was my solution. Oh, classic. Um, I think it's uh, interesting. I mean, we're talking about this kind of already, but the the amount of frustration that happens between partners after kids, it, it seems to be that some of it is in a way self-inflicted. Is a lot of that frustration that arises, you know, after kids just kind of like, you know, individual and less having to do with the other person? Yeah, I can remember that some of my frustration, especially when um, our daughter was a baby, was misdirected like, when he would take a nap without sort of clearing it with me, um, he was I'm just like kind of white knuckling on the table. <laughs> right. Already nap. <laughs> I know nap. I don't think, I mean like the old like nap when the baby naps, like that never happened to me in my life. Number one, but like two is he would, you know, my husband took up long distance. I wrote in the book, he took up long distance cycling the second the baby, you know, shot mm. out of me. And, and he, um, then afterwards he would say, Oh, I'm really tired from cycling. P.S. And he from would relaxing. Yeah, or relax. I'm I'm tired from all this relaxing and I'm sluggish from this relaxing and I need to go take a nap. And yeah. and he would he would then kind of like slouch off and he'd say, just ten minutes, you know? And I can remember one time going in there, I forgot whether I wrote about this or not, but I would see him I would see that he wasn't sleeping and he was on his phone playing computer chess and he'd quickly like shove the phone under the pillow. You know, it would it would make me furious, and part of the reason it made me furious is because I was I now see that I was I was mad at myself because I I really it would never you know partially it was me being a martyr, but I I would I would never take time for myself. But there was also something very satisfying in announcing to him, oh, I would never take a nap, you know, and I I did a lot of that, and um, so so I think that made me yell a little louder because. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, wow, you really, you're okay with all this. So if anyone listening is maybe in a place where they have a kid and they're feeling like their relationship is starting to deteriorate, like with all these experts you talk to and all these cool things you tried to use, like, what do you think are like the big three things that people could do to start to make a change for the better? Let's see the big three. Well, I can, I can only speak from my experience, but what I found the most helpful was number one, um, he can't read your mind. And I, I can't say this enough. Like I really did ascribe all these sort of evil, um, you know, diabolical schemes that my husband was having in his head that he really wasn't, you know, about, you know, I'm, I'm oppressing her and holding her down. Ha ha ha. Like it, it really wasn't happening that way. And I went straight from, you know, resentment to fuming or yelling. And it seems so silly, but I really wouldn't just calmly say like, okay, I have too much to do and I need for you to do this. Like ask calmly and clearly for what you want and, 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 and to identify what you want. I mean, 
when you're sleep deprived and when there's kids hanging on you and you have like a human leg warmer on your leg, right? When you're <laughs> trying to cook dinner, it, it's just so like, you can't think, but, but getting clarity and asking for what you want for me was huge. And, um, that negotiating meetings as, I mean, it's cringeworthy. I even just saying the word meeting, like family meeting, you know, you're like, Ugh. but you have to have meetings. You have to hash things out and, um, block off some time for yourself on the weekend and get it on the calendar. Um, I always did that with my husband. I wrote about it in the book that I would say like, Oh, I'm meeting Susan at one o'clock. You know, we both synced it up. Um, it's on, it's on the calendar. And for some reason, that was enough for him. Like, Oh God, well, it's on the calendar, you know, and <laughs> Susan, Susan knows about Susan's <laughs> going to be waiting at the coffee shop. Like there was something about booking it. And you know, my friend would, would book fitness classes, prepay them prepaid. You're not going to argue it's prepaid. I'm going to yeah. lose my, I'm going to lose the money. Like the, so that, and also, um, let's see for the third, um, I really did like uh, one guy who wrote a book called The Lazy Husband, where he just gave you all of his secrets of what he would do to manipulate his wife. Oh he God. said, you know, it was this guy, Joshua Coleman, and he said, okay, just observe your mate for the week. And this applies whether you do or do not have kids and see what things they can't tolerate if they're neglected and then voice them on your husband. And <laughs> there was so many of them. Like, it was just such a great thing. Like, Tom always has to have coffee in our house and always milk and always wine. Well, why the hell was I running out to buy them? Yep. You go buy them. Bye. You go. Yep. And, and he's, you know, he's always on time and I'm always late, like running to take the kid to swim lessons or whatever. You take her to swim lessons. And there was so many things that, you know, laundry, he, he is a cyclist. And when he runs out of cycling clothes, it's like the end of the world. So I'll just let that bag get bigger and bigger with cycling clothes. And then he does. A so, you know, it, and it's huge. It's like a manatee. And then he does them. So that really helped a lot because there was so many things that he couldn't tolerate. There, There is with everybody. And then they get them. Um, That's a good But trick. also, yeah, that was a great one. That really helped me so much. Um, and also, um, you know, looking for the good helped because... I had gotten into a pattern where this may be too Oprah, but I really was in this pattern where all I was seeing was the bad. And it was, it was just, it was just reinforcing itself. I would, I would say, Oh God, you know, he, he would, he would say things to me like, Oh, you know, I changed the last diaper and hand the kid to me. It was like, okay, I've changed a lot of diapers, you know, <laughs> come on. It's no, we're not taking turns here. And but then I would sort of overlook that he had played with the baby all afternoon and the baby loved him and they were laughing together. You know, there were, so looking for the good um, really does help. And I have to consciously do it even now. But my resentment was making me overlook all the good stuff. And there was still lots of good stuff. I mean, I'm still married to the guy, you know, and didn't divorce him. But that wasn't yeah. as good a tip as the one about finding him stuff he can't tolerate, right? That's my <laughs> <laughs> That's Well, I think the looking for the good is really important too. Like I think that, like you said, you can get really hung up on all the things that irritate you all the time, especially if you've been together a long time, you know, it's really easy to just go, uh, the drain has mm -hmm. crap in it again. <laughs> yes. And you kind of write this very narrow script of who they are. And yeah. then it's just like this negative reinforcement and it's like, oh, he's a bum, you know, or he's this or he's that. And so, 
you know, and that's, if you're that's not having doing. sex regularly, it is so much uh-huh. easier to hate the person you're with over stupid things. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Yeah, I mean, all those happy chemicals. There really is something to that. And when you don't have that connection, yeah, it's like if you're just roomies, you know, and they do something annoying. It just takes me back to my college roommate, you know, of of like that rage you like- feel nobody taking out the trash and you're the only one who's doing it. Yeah. And they ate the food in your mini fridge in your dorm room, you know, and it's like, I don't care that you were drunk. (laughs) So it's the same thing. It's like that, that terrible rage because it's true. You're not having that physical connection, which, which is, is not nothing. It is something. Well, I mean, honestly, your book is hysterical. I laughed out loud so many times. Um, Just at the way you told stories about Tom and things that Tom said, you should tell him he's hysterical. I don't (laughs) think he means to be, but he's hysterical. (laughs) He made me laugh. Oh my gosh, great. I'm thrilled. He didn't come off as too much of a a jerk, did he? No. no, Okay. All right. If anything, hapless is the word that I just... (laughs) That's a good one. Yes, that would apply. That would apply. Yeah. No. Yeah. I have. No, I don't hate him. He he's he's seems very actually. It's like the guy from Boston said he's he's a sweet guy. He's a good guy. Obviously, he loves your daughter. He has a great bond with your daughter. He's just a little clueless sometimes. Yeah, and it's still it. You know, I'm still I'm in maintenance mode. Like I have to say stuff all the time. It's not like at the end of this, you know, everything was amazing. It's still it's an ongoing thing where I'll say, you know, like at nighttime he'll say he'll do it tonight. You wait. He'll say. uh, you know, when the kid's like capering around having her third wind, he'll say, oh, she has to go to bed. And I'll say, don't tell me. You, yeah. She's right there. You can tell, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the manager. You can tell her. And I say it every night. It's like a, a bad catchphrase. And eventually it's going to stick, but it's it's t- it's taken a while. And so I just think, oh, my God, I'm going to have to keep doing stuff like this. But it's better than the fights we used to have. I just, I think this book is going to be so successful. Like I have been obsessed with it since you did that talk over at Little Brown. What was that in the summer? The oh winter? yeah, God, that was a that while was a ago, long time right? ago. Like yeah, yeah, I took two copies of your book and I was like, everyone, look at this book. Look at it. Look at it. We're all oh, going to be okay. Text. Like I was very, <laughs> very excited. And honestly, when Ali brought it up for the podcast, I was like, yeah, I mean, I'll talk about anything because I like to talk. It, you know, I love to listen to other people's stories and stuff. And then when I started reading it, I was like, this is so applicable to everyone. (laughs) Like I don't need a baby to read this book and I enjoyed it. So I think parents love it. (gasps) Just regular women love it. (laughs) Yahoo. Oh, thank you so, so much. I don't know. It's a weird thing to write a book, isn't it? And you put it out there and I really exposed my marriage and I thought, oh, is anyone going to even care? Can anyone relate? And just talking to you guys, then I feel like, wow, people can relate this. Thank goodness. Good. So relatable. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks so much for spending so much time with us too. My pleasure. I could just keep talking and talking and talking. I know, same. You'd have to call security to get me out because this is just like the, I mean, you two are such good conversationalists. No wonder you do what you do. So thanks for having me. I'm just bummed we weren't all sitting around with a glass of wine doing this. Seriously. Yeah, I know. Another time. Well, you're in you're in New York, so we should all get together. Actually, I'm available any old Yay. time. You know where to find me. Just put it in the calendar, and Tom will know. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you, thank you so very much for having me. Oh, thanks and for joining thank us. You. Bye. Bye. Oh my God, we loved talking to her. I'm seriously giving her book to all of my mom friends. We also had a great conversation with Nikki Gregorio from The Mediocre Parent Show, who happens to be the default parent in his home. 
Right now joining us, we have Nick DiGregorio, who is the host of the Mediocre Parent Show. Hey, Nick. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. It's about time you're finally on our show. I know. I I had you on mine twice, so this is is nice. I'm I'm, I'm excited to be on. uh, I'm excited to be on now. I'm excited um, not to host. I'm excited to be a guest. Yeah, you just sit back, relax. I'm just gonna sit back, hang out. Yeah, I'm and chilling. defend your entire gender. Fine, <laughs> that's fine. I'm, I'm, we're, let's do this. I'm ready. I'm ready to defend. Just having one little kid around, I mean, mm-hmm. it can wear on your patience. Like, mm-hmm. there's got to be some stuff that did not fly quite so easily after having kids that is different for. Yeah, no, there was definitely a major learning curve in terms of um, parenting techniques. Um, One of the things that you will definitely learn is um, which of your parenting techniques your wife doesn't like because you're just like your father or you're just like your mother. Like, you know, like there are things that my wife does that are just like her mother. And I might not have, I might have brought it up in the interim, but now that it's out in the open, it's a way to kind of poke and jab. And you start to, you start to get the real opinion about your parents from her and, and, and her parents from me. That opens up sometimes a can of worms because you could see where the parenting, where those specific traits come from. And uh, that can open up some, that can open up some fights here and there too. Cause, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I think what I was going to ask you just in general, like it, in terms of specifics, because you were saying like, oh, there's some things you do anno- that are annoying and there's some things that she does that are annoying. Let, let's get specific. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> we'll absolutely well, get specific. I mean, especially like after having your first um, kid, I don't know if, you know, you can remember what that was like because that was a few years ago, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, what? how was that division of labor? You know, how what was it like when um, you brought this, Brandy baby home and Little it was just the two boy. of you. My yeah, sweet, my exactly. sweet Jack boy. You know, it was um, co-host there were, of the mediocre parent. Yeah, show. absolutely, <laughs> star of the mediocre parent show. Um, one of the things that we we kept on finding out were there were chores and there are things that um, we sort of we sort of shared, and then there are chores that that we're never going to share. And you sort of learn that as, as time goes on, like we, we still, to this day, my, my, my daughter is, is still in diapers. We still argue over who has to change and, and who was the last person to do it. And we argue over, um, we argue over discipline a lot. I think that's one of the, the largest, um, uh, sparks when it comes to arguments because, and I'll say this, I'll say this to her face. She's upstairs right now. She's a bit of a pushover. And I'll just, I'll say it to her face. Well, she's a bit of a pushover with my son. Um, it, it, the, the, um, mother, mother, son, father, daughter dynamic is as stereotypical as you think it's going to be. Uh, my son can completely play her and she will just fold like a, like a folding chair. And even though my daughter's only 18 months, she can pretty much do no wrong. (laughs) And so, uh, that argument with her is coming. You know, we, um, talked to Jancy Dunn about her book, how not to hate your husband after kids. And you obviously don't do this thing that I'm going to ask about, but, um, she talks about how, um, sometimes men pretend to do a bad job or take longer to do something (laughs) (laughs) so that they aren't asked to do it again. I mean, you obviously are, or maybe you are doing that. I don't know with some things, but do you know guys that do stuff like that? I'll, I'll cut you even further. I, I, I tell you what, I'm a hundred percent cause positive that Amy does that. (laughs) <laughs> I am a hundred percent positive that she will just mess something up and be like, well, now that's my problem. Now, <laughs> now I don't have to do that anymore. This is because- not how, yeah, I, I can tell you right now, it's not, 
It's not. I don't. I mean, maybe because that role is played predominantly by the, the man and the husband. But I just think there there are times where, she, you know, she just like. I, I'm. Uh, let me think of a specific example. But I know specifically she does it. I know with. So okay. For instance, my wife is a renowned non-sock unroller and pocket checker during laundry. It's a simple task. Check the friggin' pockets, unroll the legs, and unroll the socks. I know she knows physically how to do it. I've seen her. She can I'm physically do it. I'm with Amy on this. I'm, I'm a like, total failure like at that. Oh, I'm the opposite. I'm you, Nick, in this. <laughs> oh, my God. You Because know, one, one of my favorite uh, things was one time, um, you know, I'm a – Apple, you know, fanboy. And uh, Amy did the laundry one time and she washed my uh, iPad shuffle. That's how long ago it was. She washed my shuffle and she came in the room all sassafras. Like, you know, you didn't take this out of your pocket. And I washed it and dried it. And then I kind of grabbed it and like shoved a headphone in there and pressed play and it worked. And she was like, like it was a great, it was a great, um, it was a great advertisement for Apple products, about how nice their products are. But like, it, that was my fault that I didn't take it out of my pocket. I'm like, go through your pockets, go, go through the pockets. So she doesn't do it. Laundry is my problem. Um, I was involved in the, like there, and it's funny cause all the, all the things that go along with, um, the all of the Cody finger. I hate saying the word chores. Chores bothers me. It's like, and, and um, Allie, we've talked about this. It it sounds like babysitting your kids. Yes. I don't like chores. These are the things that I have to do around my house so that my family can live a happy life. That's not a fucking chore. That's that's a life. thing. It's not it's a chore. Life. It's like being it's, a parent. It's life. Yeah. yeah. I, it's it's life. So can you tell us a little bit about the mediocre parent show? The idea of the mediocre parent show is is my buddy Chris, and every day at the end of <clears throat> at the end of every show, we say being a dad's not all that bad, because what we try and do is we try and take everyday instances that would cause most dudes to just bitch and moan to their friends, and try and find a positive, funny aspect about it. You know, if there's trouble with your kids at school, trouble with your wife, trouble with relationships. I mean, I'm happily married with two kids. My partner, Chris, he is divorced with one kid who lives an hour and a half away and he's got a new girlfriend and she's got two kids and we come from different worlds and middle class and lower class and black and white. And we take all of these experiences and we try and just throw it out there that, you know what, yes, life is hard. Yes, being a dad is just sometimes soul sucking. But you can find something fun about it. And, and that, that keeps, that keeps the relationship with your, keeps the relationship with your wife strong. Um, we're, I'm just going to keep talking. We're, um, (laughs) you know, sometimes in the Catholic church and, and my wife is Catholic, um, they make you do this thing called pre cana, which is a, um, Basically, it's the Catholic a Church's way that of, discouraged me from getting married in the Catholic it, Church. <laughs> well, but, but the thing I got I got to admit, as much as, you know, and you can cut this or not, as much as I'm a raging freaking atheist, the this little if if I wish they offered this in a in a non-denominational form because what this is is like 3 or 4 days of the church going, "Are you guys sure you want to do this?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have you thought about this? What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? What happens if this happens? And you sit there and you just kind of hash everything out. Like, okay, well, what happens if your wife cheats on you? What, what Then what? What's your game plan? You know, are you going to raise the kids this way or what are you going to do this? But one of the things they did stress, and I, and, I, and, I, and I like it, is, you know, if there's, if there is a problem with, 
you know, if you're having a problem with your wife or you're having a problem with your kids, you, you need to focus on the problem with your wife first because everything trickles down from there. So if I don't agree with something that, that, that Amy's doing, or I don't agree with something that Jack's doing, I have to, I have to work it out with Amy. I have to work it out with my wife first. I have to get on the same page with her or even just be okay with not being on the same page because if you're constantly taking your kid's side or or dealing with your kids and just sort of ignoring your your spouse, it's going to trickle back down to the kids and they're going to see that behavior. Um, I mean, I, you know, I come from a family of divorce. I come from, you know, my, my parents, my parents got divorced when I was 14 years old. Um, and then <laughs> ages from age one through 14, they really didn't like each other. They got, you know, they sort of stuck together for a while, but, you know, looking back, you know, it skewed my idea of, of happy marriage. But then once they got divorced, they sort of, they, they always sort of respected each other. And that sort of worked out well for me. Um, just, you know, take care, take care of your business with your wife and that will help with the kids because kids pick up on that. P- kids totally pick up on that. That's amazing advice. <sighs> I, I feel like Jancy would love to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I know we love talking to you. Yeah. So thank you for doing this. It was fun. Thanks so much to Nick. You can check him out on The Mediocre Parent Show, available on iTunes and Acast. You can also find episodes and information at MediocreParentShow.com. A huge thank you to Jancy Dunn, author of How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids. Her book will be available online and in stores March 21st. You can find the link to her book's Amazon page on our website, theicantevenshow.com. Thanks for sticking with us through the season. We loved getting your feedback in emails and on Twitter. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or just tell one friend to listen to us. And we'll be back in a few months with a brand new season. If you want to suggest topics, hit us up on social at I Can't Even Show or email us at I Can't Even at the I Can't Even Show.com. I Can't Even Show is written and produced by Allison Hanford and Margaret Ruggies and edited by See Through Sound. Additional voice work was done by Mike Clemo.